First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. I want to preach a message called, uh, called Pain, Praise, and Answered Prayer. Pain, Praise, and Answered Prayer. And we're going to start in the book of First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to talk about a guy that you may or may not have heard of. It's, he's a really popular guy. There's been rooks, books written about him. His name is Jabez. How many of you ever heard of Jabez? There are certain prayers that I pray through very often throughout the Bible. I find prayers in the Bible, and I write them down sometimes, and I create prayer patterns. That's what I do. The past couple of weeks on Wednesdays, uh, uh, I, I, I talked about prayer patterns that I go through, and this is one that I pray quite often, to be honest with you. And This past Wednesday, though, Forrest Quillen came, and he preached a message, and I'm telling you, it was so good, I had it memorized by heart instantly. And I, and, and I could preach it to you right now. I actually just thought about preaching the same thing and just claiming it as my own. He talked about the Lord being your rock. God is our fortress and God is our deliverer out of the Psalms. I'd recommend you go back on Facebook and watch that message from Wednesday. But I had been talking about prayer patterns and I was going to share this message actually uh, next Wednesday. But I got somebody else coming next Wednesday. Uh, Chris Highfield, one of our overseers, he's going to be here Wednesday. So come on out Wednesday night, bring the kids. We'll have a good time Wednesday night. But I wanted to, sh I, I, this word kept coming up in my heart. And honestly, I was praying through this this week for our church. And every time I would get to different sections in the prayer uh, that Jabez prayed, every time I'd get to different sections, somebody would come to my mind in our church. A business would come to my mind in our church. And, and it was just like the Lord was telling me over and over again, Clay, I want to bless you and I want to bless your people and I want you to know that I want to pour out my blessings so that you all can be a blessing. It's not just so you can be selfish and hoard up all the goodness of God, but he's saying this is a season where I want you to come into my blessing and into my favor so that you can reach more and more people for the kingdom and you can see my goodness and that goodness will lead people to repentance. Can you say amen to that this morning? I don't know about anybody else, but I believe in the blessing of God. I believe in the favor of God. And I know we go through difficult times, but I believe that God wants to bless us. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 through 10, it says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Notice that. Verse 10 says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Now let me tell you something. I, like I said, I love this prayer. I love to find prayers in the Bible. I believe that they, we find a lot of prayers in Scripture that become patterns for us that we can learn to pray. Now this starts out about Jabez. This is very interesting because he comes out of nowhere. Like if you're reading through your Bible in one year plan, you come to this place and you're literally reading through a genealogy. How many of you, you skip the genealogies when you come to them? And you're just like, well, that's just a bunch of names. So-and-so begat, so-and-so, and so-and-so begat, so-and-so. And it's begat after begat after begat and it pauses on this dude named Jabez. And all of a sudden it makes a statement about Jabez and it says that he was more honorable than his brothers to start out. Now when I think about that in the beginning, I'm saying, you know what? Honor is actually a very good place to start when we talk about the blessing of God. Because if there's one thing that is lacking in our generation, it is honor. Somebody amen me on that. 
We live in a culture and in a world where it is commonplace to disrespect people. It's commonplace to put people down. It's commonplace to gossip about people. And in our political climate of the time, we just call people all sorts of names and call them uh, all kinds of negative things and think that it's okay to do so. Can I tell you that it's not okay to put people down that are made in the image of God. No matter what you disagree with them on, they are made in the image of God. They are crowned with glory and honor by God Himself. And God has designed us so that we learn how to esteem others better than ourselves, even when we disagree with them. Amen. But see, it, it drifts over into our culture. It drifts into even one of, the, one of the commandments in the Ten Commandments is that children should honor their father and their mother. Why? There's a, it's the only commandment with a promise, right? So that they may live long on this earth and that it may be well with them. I think a lot of people, it's not well with them because they have not learned to honor and children have not learned to honor and respect their parents. You may not agree with your parents. Your parents may be crazy, but the Bible teaches that you are to honor and respect and love your parents. Amen. And that's a good thing that we need to be teaching our children. Let me tell you something. If people would, if, if children would honor their parents, if spouses would honor their wives and their husbands, and people would honor marriage the way that God says to honor it, let me tell you something, things would change in our world. If people would honor God and honor His Word, if people would honor the house of God, let me tell you something. When you don't honor worship, when you don't honor God, when you don't honor God's Word, when there's no honor for the things of God, when there's no honor for church, don't be surprised when your children don't honor God either. Amen. Don't be surprised when your children think that church and the family of God and the people of God and the Word of God is irrelevant because you did not honor God raising them. When they see that, you know what, we're going to church on Sunday, we're going to worship, and we're not just going to be bystanders when we go, we're going to worship the Lord, we're going to listen to the Word of God, we're going to go throughout our week talking about the Word of God and figuring out ways that we can put it into our life. Why? Because we're going to honor God. And the people around us, even when we disagree with them, even when they don't know God, we're going to honor them and respect them and love them and do good to them. Why? Because we are showing forth the very image of God in our lives. Amen. So he said he's more honorable than his brother. A person is, becomes more honorable because they've learned to honor God and they've learned to honor others. And so Jabez, it speaks about him and it says, see, she called his name Jabez. He was more honorable than all of his brothers. And his mom called his name Jabez because she said, I bore him in pain. Well, anybody, we got babies. All y'all women know anybody in here didn't have any pain whenever it happened. I don't know. Right? Probably not. I don't imagine anybody had a baby and said, hey, this feels pretty good. I enjoy this. Let's do it again. I doubt very seriously no, nobody ever said that. So is she talking about the legitimate physical birth or is she talking about something that was going on in her life when she was having that baby? See, it doesn't even say anything about Jabez's dad. So for all that we know, we don't know who Jabez's father is possibly. Maybe he didn't have a father. Maybe he was born out of wedlock. We don't know the details, but we know that when she had this baby, there was great pain going on in her life. There was something that she was dealing with. And when she names the baby, see, Hebrews were weird, man. They named their babies on purpose. Like Abraham, his name means the father of many nations. Jacob means deceiver or supplanter because when his brother Esau came out of the womb, he pulled him back in and took his spot. Imagine that going through a birth, y'all. Some of y'all that are pregnant. You're going to have twins and one comes out and says, nah, you, I'm coming out first, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm pushing the limits this morning, y'all. Like, uh, we're going to have an elders meeting after this and be like, Clay, we're talking about a suspension this week. I mean, we're going to set you down for a few months. <laughs> 
But imagine that happening. See, and then they changed his name to Israel, which means prince with God. Prince with, because names had meaning. Guess what Jabez means in Hebrew? It means literally pain or he causes pain. Can you imagine? Hey, here's my buddies, boys. Here, here's Logan and Caitlin. These are my friends. Here's my other buddy, Pain. I think some people are probably named Pain, but, but, but the thing is, he said, he causes pain. Imagine your name being he causes pain growing up. Everybody saying, what's up, he causes pain? Good day to you, man. You causing any pain today? Can you imagine the jokes from the kids that everybody's dealing with because of what's going on? She named him this. And here's, here's the thing. Names carry identity. And some people have names over their life that are different than what their actual names are. And they carry these labels. They carry these definitions of what their parents have put on them, of their past, of whatever they've went through. And they carry those names as identifying markers of who they are. And I'm telling you, Jabez was not this because he was actually more honorable than all of his brothers. I bet his brothers had better names. I bet his, his, his brothers had names that had to do with the identification of God and the glory of God and the goodness of God. But he had this name he calls his pain. And Jabez said, you know what? I'm not going to live according to my name and what this label that's been placed on me. But here's the story. Here's the thing you've got to understand about Jabez and why I believe it's in here is because you've got to understand that in this life, first and foremost, we've talked about this a lot here recently, that you are are not going to make it through this life without pain, without grief, and without suffering. It's not going to happen. You're going to experience pain, you're going to experience grief, and you are going to experience suffering because this world is broken, it is shattered, sin has entered in. But here's the difference between Christian people and people who don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is that most people who experience pain in this life, it becomes who they are. It becomes their identity, their past, and sometimes we get the like we go through divorce or we go through loss or we go through death or we go through grief or we go through bankruptcy or we experience some kind of just life-shattering pain and all of a sudden it becomes what we identify ourselves with. Well, I am this. I am that. I am that. I've just always been this way. We've always been depressed. We've always been alcoholics in my family. We've always been this. We've always been that. Why? Because we start to let our grief and our pain define who we are and our past then begins to determine and prophesy our future. And he recognized this. Jabez recognized this. He said, you know what? Just because my mom bore some pain doesn't mean it has to be my name. Doesn't mean it has to be my identity anymore. So he begins to call on the name of the Lord. See, all these things that you're going to go through, and here's what I want you to understand, is that sin and Satan is what ultimately cause pain. But if you go through pain in this life, God will always use it. God's not the one who causes pain. God created a good world, which was free of peace, which, was, which actually was full of peace. It was free of pain. But see, now that we're in a broken world, God is so sovereign over all that He can see the pain that you go through, and He will not allow you to go through any pain, any grief, any suffering that He will not use for a purpose if you turn it back to Him. If you bring your pain to Him, see when Jesus Christ came, He said, look, I've come to preach the good news to the poor. I've come to say, look, I've died for your sins on the cross. I came to enter into your pain and into your suffering. That's one of the good things about Jesus is that, see, people will say, well, you know, God doesn't even care about my pain. He doesn't care that I'm going through this grief. He doesn't care that I'm going through this pain. There's a song that says that Aphrodite, the goddess, she would not weep nor Zeus would suffer for the weak. But have you come to stand inside my pain? 
Jesus Christ reveals to us that God is not the one who caused the pain. He's the one that heals the pain. But not only that, He's not, he's not, he's not just disconcerned with your pain. Matter of fact, He comes and reveals that on the cross, He came to enter into your pain with you. There's never a painful season that you'll go through, never a grief, never a struggle that you'll go to if you'll get your heart right and turn it toward God that Jesus will not be right there with you. That's why He says, I came to preach the good news to the poor. And the very next thing He says is, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I want to heal you of your pain. I want to heal you of your grief. I want to heal you of your loss. And I want to give you a new name so that I can flow through you with my love and bless others. Pain will always come, but in God's kingdom, it always comes with a purpose. God will use it to refine you. But see, you've got a choice to make. You can either get angry at God. Jabez could have gotten angry at God. Jabez could have played the victim. He could have wallowed in self-pity. But he said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to turn and I'm going to pray to God because no matter what comes in my life, I know one thing about God and that He is good and He is on the throne. He has my best interest in mind. And yes, we live in a broken world, but He's able to heal me of my pain. He's able to bring me through to the other side and He's able to establish my feet on the rock like Forrest taught about. And He's able to set me in a new path and He's able to put me in a new perspective and in a new way and show me where I need to go. A.W. Tozer, he said, Look, it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. i got to be honest with you. I don't like that. I don't like that quote. It's doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he's hurt him deeply. We're so full of pride and we're so entitled. We think we deserve everything. We think because we say one prayer, God should give us everything. Man, we live in a broken world. The Apostle Paul was more blessed than anybody. We somebody, Jer- Jeremy said one time, he, told, he said, you know what, Clay, buddy, I love you so much. Jesus Christ right there, Clay right there. He said, Apostle Paul right there underneath. I said, buddy, I'm not worthy to carry the Apostle Paul's parchment paper, son. I mean, uh, that guy went through some stuff. Maybe one of the most blessed Christian men that have ever lived, but he went through some pain, y'all. He went through some suffering, but what happened? He turned it to God. He gave God praise, and God used him for glorious things in the earth, and God got him through it. But see, everybody's going to go through some pain, ain't they? Some of y'all, you're going through some pain right now. I know all about it. Pain happens. I talk to people in the church all the time. They're dealing with hard things. You know, I mean, sometimes we compare our pain. Sometimes we say, well, my pain's worse than theirs, or at least my pain's not as bad as theirs. But the point is, it doesn't matter. You're not to compare your pain. You're to give your pain to the Lord and let Him walk through it with you. Andre and I, you know, we, one of the most painful things that I've dealt with, and we've been married about six years now, coming this next month, and one of the most painful things I've ever dealt with, you know, she and I were trying to have a baby for six years. One of the most painful things I'd ever dealt with was to see how broken her heart was whenever we went to the doctor, we got tested, and the doctor gives us a call on the phone and says, look, you guys are probably not going to be able to have kids naturally. And I, I saw how bad that broke her and shattered her, and it killed me. It, it, it gave me pain to the point. Now, as a pastor, you got to cover that stuff up a little bit. You know, we're believing God. <laughs> you know, you got to be all positive all the time. But I got to be honest with you. If I'm being honest with you as a human being, there was something in me that started to get a little bit aggravated. There was something in me that started to get a little bit numb because when you experience pain, you can get numb. 
You can slowly distance yourself from the Lord because you're aggravated at him saying, Hi, God, you know what? I've been serving you, big guy. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to do this to me and my wife after we've been serving you like that? You're going to allow this to happen? Anybody got that attitude with the Lord before? And you got to start wrestling with the Lord, man. you got to start bringing that pain to God. You have to first acknowledge that that pain is there. Look, it's okay to be in pain. It's okay to process your feelings with the Lord. Andre and I, we've been going through this process and... Here recently, we're in the process of adopting a baby. And listen, it ain't that easy either. Like there's, there's a lot of challenges and difficulties with that. And I could just tell sometimes Andrea will hold stuff in for a while. And she was just at a breaking point. And just the other night, I said, you know what? We just need to get back to the Lord with this thing. We got to bring this thing back to the Lord. We were getting ready to have a kids church meeting online. And, and we went in there and we got, we got the elements ready. I got a cracker. We got a little bit of grape juice. We was going to take communion. I get in there and we're, we're sitting there praying. And, and I'm reading the, the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. I'm reading through scriptures and just praying God's blessing over our life. We're turning it over to Him. We're believing Him for just breakthrough in these areas. We're, we're praying and, and, and believing God for all these things. And she's crying and, 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 and we're sitting there just pouring out our heartache. And she says, you know, the one thing that I can't stand is how I've allowed this doubt to creep in, she said. I just want to get to the place where I can believe God again. And no later than she said that out of her mouth, her phone got a notification and somebody had sent her a message. And it was, it was an Instagram clip of this guy named Brandon Lake. Some of y'all know about it. But he was writing music. And it was it instantly it was sent to her. She hit play on it and he's playing the piano and he says, you know what? I, I feel like I'm just writing this song right now. And I feel like the Lord has given me this song for a couple that's been trying to have a baby for so long. And he's saying, keep fighting. Don't give up. Now, see, I'm going to tell you something. We want a baby. But that moment with God right there is more to me than even a baby. A moment with God, a moment with God is greater than all the promises of God. A moment in the presence of God. When your father speaks to you and says, I'm still here with you. No matter what we go through, no matter the pain, the suffering, the anger, the turmoil. If I've got God with me, I can get through it. I can get through it because His goodness overwhelms me in those moments. And I know that if I'm waiting, if I'm going through pain, there is a purpose. And if I've got God with me, man, I'm happy. If I can just hear his voice. And in that moment, I knew my father was speaking to me. I knew he was speaking to me and she knew that he was speaking to us. And he said, look, after years and years, you've tried and tried. He says in this song, he says, I know I can trust you. I know I can trust you. And we've got to come to that place, man, where no matter what we're going through, we can still trust God. We can still believe. We still trust in his blessing. And we know that pain is not the end. We can turn our pain into something totally different. You know, because what's interesting about Jabez is that Jabez comes in a lineage, just like we said. His name is pain, or he causes pain, or he causes sorrow, but he's listed in a particular lineage. And if you read, he is in the lineage of Judah. How many of y'all, you know what Judah means? Judah means praise. Judah means praise. And Judah was born, actually, by a woman named Leah who had had like three or four kids. And she thought every time she had a kid, she thought, now my husband will love me. But still her husband loved another woman, loved Rachel. And finally, I think Leah had to come to the place where she had to find satisfaction in God. And she finally had Judah and she said, you know what, forget this, I'm just going to praise the Lord. If my husband don't love me, if things don't go the way that I want them to go, if it doesn't turn out my way, you know what? I'm naming him Judah because I'm going to praise the Lord regardless. And that's where he got his name. Now, here's, I want you to show Judah. Here, I want you to look at Judah. I've taught this before. You put that slide up about, about Judah there, the word, that little slide. There it is. 
So the word praise in the Hebrew is Judah. It's Yadah, right? We transliterate it. We put a J on it. It's why Jesus' name is actually Yeshua, but we call him Jesus. So it's Yudah. But there's, there's a pictogram in almost in, in the majority of Hebrew words, and you read it from right to left. And if you read it, you've got Yud, Deled, Hey, and the, each of those letters means something. So it literally means the hand that opens the door to grace. When we praise God, it is like we are stretching up a hand that begins to open the door to the grace of God. What does that mean? That means that when I'm going through pain, I have got to learn to turn my pain into praise i got to learn to turn my pain into praise. Because what happens is the devil comes down your back, creeping around, saying, look, you've went through some hard times. You've went through some difficulties. God's left you. He's got no more good for you. There's no more blessing left. And he can get you to begin to even speak terrible things out of your mouth, can he? He can get you to start throwing curses over your life, saying this is never going to happen. We're never going to experience this. Maybe this is just going to be forever. Maybe this is just what we've got to deal with. But no, what he says is I've got to take my pain and say, Lord, I'm going to lift my hand up in praise and I'm going to begin to open that door that unleashes healing, that unleashes peace, that unleashes your grace in my life that can bring change and transformation. That's why it's important, folks, when we meet in here on Sunday mornings, when we're playing songs, we're not just playing songs so you can say, Man, they got a good band. We're playing songs so you can lift your hands to the God that made you, to the God who sits on the throne, and all of a sudden you begin to open that door to grace, and God begins to unleash His Spirit and His presence in your life, and there is transformation that takes place in the presence of God. We turn our pain into praise, and God shows up, and something changes in the midst of that. See, praise is declaring the truth of God when Satan in the world is telling you everything differently. He had a different name. You're just going to cause pain, Jabez. You ain't going to do nothing more than that. There's so many people that live in Clay County, they're up under generational curses. And they don't expect any better for their lives. we got to break that stuff off of people's lives. And say, just because you grew up there, just because your mommy called you that, just because your daddy did that, does not mean that's who you are destined to be. This is where we got to change the mentality of southeastern Kentucky. People bound up in poverty and addiction and pain and suffering thinking, nah, we're just always going to be that way. No, your parents don't get to define who you are. God does not get to define who you are. Where you lived does not get to define who you are. Listen, we don't even get to define what Clay County is. God defines what it is. And he's looking, to, he's looking to take some people in this county, a county that's been honestly rejected by the world, fourth poorest county in the nation, eat up with political corruption. They call it the city of hope and people want to call it the city of dope. No, I'm going to stick with hope, y'all. I'm going to stick with hope no matter what everybody else says. I'm going to believe God and I'm going to turn our pain and our suffering and our poverty into praise and say, God, you can do something here. You can do something in my life. You can do something in our community. You can change things because you, we just change our mindset, folks. Do not allow. Do not allow this world. Do not allow the politics of this world. Do not allow the systems of this world. Do not allow the people that are in Clay County. I've done it myself. I've even said when it comes to church, I've said people, but I've always I've said, but you know, it's a church in Clay County. I mean, what can we really expect? Y'all ever done that garbage? That's from the devil, folks. That's from the enemy. 
God wants you to come up under the blessing and say, you know what? I can do things that you've never imagined. I can exceed your expectations. I can do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works within you. Psalm 57, 7. Here's the the mindset you got to have. David in Psalm 57, if you read it, he says, look, there's all kinds of calamities. In one place he says his soul is among lines. You ever felt like your soul was among lines? He said, my soul is among lines. But then he says this, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. What is he saying? He's saying, God, I don't care if calamities are breaking out on the left, if calamities are breaking out on the right. I don't care if my soul is among lines and everybody has turned against me. My heart is fixed because I know you are good. I know you are in control. And I know that ultimately you got my best interest in mind. Therefore, no matter what I'm dealing with, I'm going to sing and I'm going to give praise to the Lord. And if you become this type of person that is a praising, praying person, I promise you your mind is going to be renewed and you're going to start carrying the glory of God wherever you go and people are going to see it on you. Somebody get excited about it. Amen. I know a lot of us we just, we, I know a lot of us we just prefer to come in and hear the word and be calm and think intellectually and all that stuff but sometimes you just got a little bit free, bounce a little bit. You got to be like Ty Finn, son and just start to rock a little bit. And loosen up and shake off the religion. Every now and then, you just got to get a little bit free and come into the presence of God. He says, my heart is fixed. No matter what happens, I'm going to praise God. But see, in the battles, you got to understand, in the Old Testament, every time they went into war, you know what happened? God said, let Judah go up first. Let Judah go up first. How come He going to let Judah go up first? Because before they won any battle, they had to make sure they got their mindset around who God was, and they lifted up praise to God. There were battles that they fought that Judah went up first. They didn't even take weapons. They just sang praises to God, and God trampled their enemies and defeated their enemies. One of the greatest forms of spiritual warfare sometimes is not even rebuking the devil, much as I love to rebuke the devil, but sometimes I've just got to begin to sing and say, God, you're on the throne. You're good. Doesn't matter what I'm going through. You're going to send out ambushments against my enemies because, God, you are love, you are good, and you are in power, and you are almighty. You are Jehovah Jireh. You're Jehovah Shalom. And you just begin to give him praise, and all of a sudden things begin to shift. One of your greatest weapons. I'm telling you, folks, you start getting under that depression, you start getting under that anxiety, turn some worship music on in your house. Open the doors up and tell the devil to get on out. And just turn that music on and begin to praise God. Begin to change your thoughts. Those lies about, well, God's this, or God's left me, or I feel abandoned, or I feel depressed, or I feel this. Shake that stuff off and give God praise, and I guarantee you, you're going to change your mind. You're going to start to feel differently. You ain't going to need to go to the doctor and get a bunch of pills for this stuff because God is going to come. And I ain't saying I'm against medication. Now, you always got to backtrack on things like that, right? You got to be careful in today's age. I'm not saying I'm against that, but I'm saying one thing I am for is the power of God in praise. Amen. And he can move in these situations. He can break things. But see, Jabez, he dared to believe God for greater things. Can I tell you right now, Forrest was preaching. He, he quoted what, something that I said. And I'm quoting things that he said tonight, to, today. It's good stuff. But he said, you know, one, one, one of the things that we said was, your soul is not designed to feed on bad news all the time. That's why the good news, is it's called, it's called the gospel. It's good news. And if you're constantly feeding your soul with the Facebook feed and with cable news, I bet you $100 you are filled with fear, anxiety, anger, hatred, cynicism. 
All these things are coming into your soul because you're just filling yourself with cable news and Facebook feed. You need to get into the Word of God in this season and get refreshed with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and remind yourself the power that He has and remind yourself that no matter what's going on in the world, He's still good and He's still one. We're so confused that we're more interested in Donald Trump getting elected than we are in Jesus saving somebody's soul. Man, that's a good word. Somebody will kick me out. We're going to have another elders meeting. Look, I'm all for voting for who needs to be voted for. I'm all for praying for our leaders. I want good people in office. Praise the Lord. It's important. But it is not the most important. People's souls on the line are the most important thing. And we've got to get our hearts fixed on Jesus in this hour. Amen. I've got to get into this message. Jabez dared to believe and ask God for great things. I want, I want you to understand something. So, so the first thing, when you're going through pain, you're going through suffering, you're going through grief, you turn it and you give it to God in praise. And you remind yourself of who God is. But then, then you've got to get a praying spirit on you. folks. I'm telling you, when I was praying this morning, I thought to myself, it was like the Lord said this to me, so I'm wanting this to stick with somebody. Somebody's going to get this this morning. Very, very, very small little thing. But somebody that when I when I finally came to a place when I was about 19, 20 years old, where I just finally said, you know what, God, I'm on I'm going to pray. Some of y'all, you, you, you just you come, you know about the Lord. Maybe you've been saved some. Maybe you're young. Maybe you've not started to pray yet. Not really. I mean, I know you say a little prayer here and there, but there's something that happens when you say, you know what? I'm going to become a person of prayer. I'm going to get filled with the spirit of prayer. I'm going to begin to ask God to invade my life. I'm going to begin to ask him for bigger things. I'm going to ask him to unveil hidden things to me and show me things. See, it says he called unto the God of Israel. It's the same word in Jeremiah 33.3. I remember this one guy said one time that God's phone number was Jeremiah 33.3 because it said, call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things which you have not known. In the Hebrew he says it's, it's fenced in things that you've not seen. If you call unto God in prayer and you come to God and say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you and you begin to call unto him, he says, I'm going to reveal things to you that you've not known before. But see, when you start to pray, how many people have they changed their lives? They've changed their families because they just turned to God and they started to pray. They started to seek God's face. See, in the first thing that Jabez prayed, I'm going to get into this prayer here that he prayed. Try to go through it quickly. But number one, the first thing that he prayed for was the blessing. He just prayed for the blessing. He said, oh Lord, that you would bless me indeed. And I know we live, you know, sometimes people say, sometimes people say, well, you know, all these people, you got the prosperity gospel out there. Look, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. I don't believe that God is just to get us rich. Listen, we live in Clay County, y'all. Man, how many of us are rich anyway? You know what I'm talking about? Some of these guys that attack the prosperity gospel so much are setting on millions themselves. It's funny to me. Now, here's what I want, to, I want you to understand is that we are against the prosperity gospel. We don't believe that God is a means to get rich and to get wealth and live out the American dream. When you serve God, you may, not get some, you may even get some of the things that you had taken from you. There are people that serve Jesus in other countries, and as soon as they serve Jesus, they lose their lands, they lose their homes, they lose their families, they lose everything for the sake of Jesus. So we're not saying that serving God brings you into a place where you experience financial breakthrough all the time or this or that. But let me tell you something. People can go ahead and curse themselves, but I am going to continue to believe in the blessing of God. I believe that God... I, I don't know about you, but I've been blessed. 
I've had some hard times. There have been some times where I've not had much money. But nevertheless, I have been blessed. And I believe in the blessing of God. I believe in the favor of God. And I believe it's a good thing when you pray for the blessing and for the favor of God. It may not come exactly how you want it, but when you pray for the blessing, I believe it is something that God wants to unleash on His people. He says, Jabez, calls, Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. See, people who want the blessing of God, they're not satisfied with normal. You ever been satisfied with normal? You just say, you know what? I'm just cool with just hanging out. And last week I preached a message about contentment. And somebody said, well, this is kind of different, Clay. You're, you're talking, can you be content and still pursue the blessing of God? Absolutely you can. You can be content and still say, God bless me. Because the blessing is not about my own personal gain. God said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and through you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. If God blesses me, it is not ultimately just for me, it is for you. If God blesses me, it's not, if God blesses this church, guess what? It's not just for this church so we can say, look at us, we're an awesome church. It is so that Clay County will be blessed. It's so that the southeastern Kentucky will be blessed. And the more expansion that He gives us, He's blessing us so that we can bless others. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. The blessing actually changes your heart. People who say, well, I'm blessed and all they want is another private jet or this or that for themselves. That's not the true blessing because it's not yet affected their heart. The blessing starts to unleash an abundance on you to the point where you want to give that abundance to others. The blessing causes generosity to take place in your heart. But see, we, we get caught up in this. And sometimes, we, like I said before, in Clay County and families, we see literally... Y'all ever heard the language of the term generational curses? And we see it in our family. If you look in the school systems, generation after generation after generation of addiction, of poverty, of abuse, and it's handed down from one generation to the next. One abusive parent produces an abusive child, and it just travels on down. And we're looking to break this thing. And you know, I was reading this the other day, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7. Moses is calling out, I talked about this Wednesday night. I talked about it with the guys at Chad's Hope. Moses is calling out. He's saying, God, I want to know what your character's like. I want to know what your nature is like. And the Lord passed by him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, when you read that, this is what we talked about. And I, it's amazing because every time I've read this and talked about it here recently, it is, it's impacted somebody. So, I, so I, I got the same thing. And man, the Lord must be saying something about this. You see the first half of it, though, and you're like, man, this is good. God's merciful. He's gracious. He's compassionate. But then it flips and you're like, daggone, that's a little bit harsh. He's going to visit the iniquity of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. Not just my kids, but their kids and their kids. He's going to punish them and visit the iniquities of the fathers on them. But I want you to understand this is an old covenant principle. And when Jesus shows up, something happens. Because in the old covenant, you were blessed if you obeyed perfectly and you were cursed if you disobeyed God. And let me tell you something. You read Deuteronomy 28. I read it last night and it is a bad ordeal, folks. Go home and read it. 
You're talking about somebody taking your wife. You're talking about your knees breaking down. You're talking about boils breaking out on your body, all manner of sickness and disease. Your family coming up under destruction. Your enemies coming in and destroying you. Every, everything. You grow a crop, it fails. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. And I'm thinking, man, this curse coming on generation after generation after generation. God, what have you done? But see, here's what you got to understand is that in the new covenant, everything changes because guess what? Nobody could obey God in the old covenant. They all tried. They all failed. See, the problem with the old covenant is, is that we could never come up under the blessing. Why? Because we couldn't obey God. So God in His love and in His graciousness and in His compassion sends the Lord Jesus Christ to come as a human being and because we could not keep the covenant, Jesus kept the covenant for us. He obeyed the law perfectly, but yet He went to the cross and on the cross, God visited the iniquity of the fathers to the third, fourth generation. Not on your son and my son, but He visited it on His very own son so that He would never have to visit it again on your family. That means that at Jesus Christ on the cross, the curse and every generational curse is broken in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Galatians, Galatians says it like this, chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That means that you're no longer up under those curses of Deuteronomy 28. You don't have to experience those things anymore. They don't have to be on your life. Why? Because He came a, became a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through Faith. God wants to bless His people. He wants your family to be blessed. He wants your home to be blessed where the presence of God remains. Where y'all know how to make wise decisions. Where there's love between your marriage so that your children see that, mar that marriage and that love and it is a reflection of God's character and nature. This is the blessing of, the, of God. You walk in health and even when you deal with sickness you have the strength and the ability to overcome these things that you're going through because you still sense the goodness of God and peace of God strengthening you, refining you, developing you for a greater purpose. This is the blessing of God. We grow and we, we develop and we see the love of God being spread throughout this place. He wants to see His people blessed. Ephesians 1.3 says He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You say, no, but I, we've always been addicts. We've always been this. We've always been that. You go ahead and curse yourself if you want to, but pardon me why I go ahead and believe for the blessing of God and say what my father did, what my mother did, what my grandfather did, what the generations did before me no longer defines who I am. It stops with me because the cross and the blood of Jesus has been applied here to our home and we're moving forward in the blessing of God. And people are going to see God through our lives and through the children's lives and through our children's lives. Amen. And it's going to go one generation right after another. Here's the second thing that he prays, influence. He prays for influence. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. But then he says, and enlarge my territory. Now, at that particular time, land was a big thing. Like if you, and he probably, like we said, he may have not even had a father, so he may have not even inherited any land. But he's basically saying, I want you to enlarge my scope. And a New Testament principle to this is, look, here's the thing. It's good for us to be humble. We should want, we should want to stay in a, in a humble position. But there is not a thing wrong with saying, God, we want to reach more people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We want to see our territory enlarged. There are places in Clay County in our community where we've been placed, maybe even friends and family and people that you know. That ground is covered by the powers of darkness and you can pray to God, God, enlarge my territory. Give me increase. Give me influence into people's lives that I've never had before. God, who can I reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And it may start, you may say, well, listen, Clay, I just come to church. I ain't trying to preach the gospel to nobody. It can start with something as simple as inviting them to church and praying for them, believing that they'll have an encounter with the Holy Spirit where their heart is opened and they begin to have hope in their soul. Enlarge my territory, he says. See, I believe that we should set goals. I believe that we should dream with God. Y'all agree with that? When we stop dreaming, I think we lose direction. And when we stop setting goals, I believe that we stop growing. We've got to look at our lives and say, Jesus, what can we do for the kingdom? We've got to set goals. We've got to dream bigger dreams. And here's what you need to understand is that God will fulfill all of His promises, but He is not obligated to fulfill your potential. You've got to participate with God. You've got to say, God, maximize in me what you've created me to be. I'm not content with just sitting around being lazy, watching Netflix and playing video games every night. I want a word from the Lord. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. I don't want to be so depressed and broken down that when I get out in public, I'm just aggravated with every human being I see. I want to see people that are made in the image of God, and I want to be filled with the Spirit so that I've got a word for them. I've got joy in my heart. I've got love for them. I've got kindness in my eyes, and I'm able to reach out to them because I'm not contaminated with the pollutions of this world to the degree that I just walk around aggravated all the time. I feel like sometimes that's the position we're in. I told Jeremy Baker, I said, man, I sure am glad you're back. Because you know what? He walks around with joy. He walks around with encouragement. And man, we need that in our lives. And when we have that, when people start to know, a cult, do you ever know that a church actually carries a culture? You walk into a place, you walk into a group of people, you walk into an organization, there's a culture there, right? We want to have a culture, man, with the love of God. We want to have a culture with the joy of God where you say, you know what, these people are actually joyful. They're happy. When you come to church, man, we talk about serious things sometimes, but this should be a joyful experience. I mean, it's the weirdest thing to me that we can get together as friends and watch a ball game and like do drop kicks and holler and go, woo and, and, eat, and eat nachos and do all kinds of things. But when you come into the church house, everything's got to get real serious and rigid. Man, how we live here should be the fullest expression of joy that we carry in our homes or anywhere else. Church is real life. It's not fake. The way I talk here on stage should honestly be the way that I talk at home with my friends. It should be the same. The reason you think I'm so weird is because this is how I talk when I'm with my family and friends. I actually talk a little bit less because I'm really a quiet person until you get me behind a microphone and I have to speak on behalf of God because other than that, I just want to be quiet. Anyway, Isaiah 54, look at this. It says, Sing, barren woman, you who have never bore a child, burst into song. Shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Now in this, in this portion of Scripture, God is actually, Isaiah 53 talks about the cross. Isaiah is an awesome book. 
You see the cross of Jesus Christ, he goes into Isaiah 54, basically he's saying what Israel could not do in the Old Testament through blessing the nations because they could not obey God after the cross. Now he's saying that blessing is going to come. And he says you need to start spreading out your tents. You need to enlarge yourself. You need to get ready for an influx of the people of God because your family is about to grow. And he's speaking, and I believe that there's two, there's two different ways to look at that. But see, God commands His people to prepare joyfully for their future. I know the world looks grim. I know it looks bleak. I know there's a lot of bad things going on, and we think that, that the end is coming soon, and maybe it is. But let me tell you something. We can still joyfully prepare for our future because even if everything goes way downhill, guess what? I still got a good future because Jesus is going to come riding on the clouds, and I'm going to be ready when He gets here. But until then, I'm still, I'm still joyful preparing in expectation for my future. My future is going to be good, y'all. Your future is going to be good in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are blessings ahead in your life. Is there pain? Is there suffering? Is there persecutions? Yes, but there is nothing that God will not give you the ability to overcome and you're going to see His goodness in the land of the living. He said, I'm commanding you to joyfully prepare for your future. He said, I know you've not born a child yet. He said, but go ahead and sing anyway. What's that mean? I know the promise has not come yet. I know your prayer has not been answered just yet, but can you go ahead and sing and thank God for the promise that is going to be fulfilled even though it's not happened yet? That's what he's saying. He's saying you come into a place of faith right now. You begin to sing and praise and thank God for the promise that is on its way even while it's not here. And in the Spirit, something begins to happen. And because you go through that process of growth where you praise God even when you don't see it and you worship God and thank Him even when you don't see it, something happens in the Spirit where you come out with a refined character, you come out stronger than you've ever been, and in the end, you see a greater blessing for it. He says, you're going to bear more children and see more breakthrough than the people that were getting breakthrough before you. Because you went through the pain, you went through the suffering, but you joyfully prepared. And we need to prepare in faith and expectancy. Number three, Jabez prays for presence. He says, Lord, that your hand might be with me. That your hand might be with me. And this is the same, this is the Hebrew word yud, like we got from Judah, right? From Judah. So it's an open hand. See, God's hand is not closed, y'all. Say, well, you know, there's other people going through things. You think God don't have enough to where He can supply your need while supplying other needs as well? Like if you got a minor sickness, that's not important to Him because, got, because other people got real bad sicknesses? No, God does not have a closed fist. And in Jesus Christ, He has given us everything. And see, we need the presence of God. In other words, He's saying, Lord, I want Your hand to be upon me. I don't want to go anywhere. Moses said, Lord, if Your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up into the land. If your presence does not go with us. We want the anointing. We want the presence of God. We want the power of God on our lives. In the Old Testament, what's his name? Elisha. He said in one place, and in, in, in I think it was Second Kings or something like that. But Elisha says, he calls out and he says, you know what? Bring me a musician. And it says when they brought the musician and they began to play, the hand of the Lord came upon him. The hand of the Lord came upon him. In Acts chapter 11, if you put that verse up, I really like this one. It says, in the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. When the hand of the Lord is with you, the presence of the Lord is with you. His power is with you. His anointing is with you. In other words, we could listen. We could not have a relationship with God. We could not have any intimacy God with God. We could meet here on Sunday. We could preach the Bible word for word, and there'd be no power in it. Amen. 
Because we have to have a relationship with the Lord where we are intimate with God. And he's saying, Lord, let your hand be upon me. When the hand of the Lord is upon you, you have the power to overcome temptation, to overcome sin, to do things that you could have never done, to step out in faith and do things that you would have never done and could have never done without the power of God in your life. He said, Lord, let your hand be upon me. Anoint what we do and move us forward. And here's the last thing. You can come up to the music if you want. But number four, he prays for protection. The last thing he prays is he says, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Now, you've got to understand every day that y'all are in, you're in a battle, folks. The devil is going to try to attack your mind. He's going to try to bring you into discouragement. He's going to try to bring you into depression. He's going to try to convince you that you are who you used to be, that your past does define you, that you're never going to get out of your grief, that you're never going to experience any kind of satisfaction or freedom in these areas. He is going to try to bring you down. And I'm going to tell you something. One of the things I do almost every day is, i, I got to be honest with you, I try to take authority over the devil. Sometimes I do it while I'm in the shower. If I wake up and my mind is not right, I start telling the enemy that he ain't got no place in my mind because here's what the Word of the Lord says. And I take authority. And sometimes, see, he's praying for protection. He says, Lord, keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Right now we're dealing, people are scared to death of this coronavirus and things like that. And, and you know what? We don't, nobody wants to get sick. Bless the Lord. But there comes a point where we cannot afford as Christian people to allow any fear to disable us from moving the kingdom forward. And if that is a fact, then i got to use wisdom. Yes, I do. And I'm going to continue to use wisdom to the best of my ability. I do. But do not allow wisdom, right, to kind of come in and really be fear masquerading as wisdom. you got to allow God to come and give you wisdom. But in the end, you got to realize that God will protect me. And sometimes you need to get in Psalm 91 and, and just begin to declare that over your life, that a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. He who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Amen. Speak that out over your life. Speak the blessing over your children. Pray for God to protect them and leave it in God's hands. Leave it in God's hands. He's saying, Lord, I'm praying that you would keep me from evil that I would cause no pain. See, he is renouncing his name. He's saying, Lord, I know I've been named that, he who causes pain, but I do not want to live that life. I don't want to be a person who causes pain. So I'm asking you to keep me from temptation. Do not allow me to become what my mama said I would become. Don't allow me to become what the world said I would become. Keep me from evil, Lord, that I may not cause pain. And the last thing that it says, it says God granted him what he requested. And here's the thing. In Christ Jesus, you've got to understand, on the cross, he took your sin, he took your curse, so that you could have forgiveness and you could walk in his blessing and in his favor. So I want you to bow your head, close your eyes just for a minute. We're going to pray together. But if you've not made things right with Jesus, right now would be an amazing time to do so. You just want to say, Lord Jesus, I'm ready to, to experience salvation. I'm ready to experience forgiveness. I just confess my sin to you, Lord. I give it to you, and I'm asking you to cleanse me in your blood, to wash me afresh, to give me a new identity, to give me a new name. And Lord God, I believe that you took my sin on that cross, and because of it, I have forgiveness. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that you became a curse 
on that cross so that every curse in my life and over my family is broken in Jesus' name. And sometimes you need to say that out of your own mouth. Because of the cross of Jesus, I am forgiven from all sin. I'm washed in the blood. And every curse is broken over me, broken over my family, broken over my children. Because of Christ, the blessing of Abraham will come to us and the power of the Spirit will rest upon our lives. Father, let that blessing begin to overflow in people's lives right now. I'm praying right now, God, that some people this morning would just experience your love and your goodness for them, Lord, and they would know they would know in their hearts, God, that you've got their future right in your hands, that you've come to bless them, that you've come to give them salvation and protection. Lord God, that your presence is going to be with them, that your blessing and your favor is going to be on their life. And Lord God, they have you no matter what pain, no matter what suffering they're going through, God, there's healing that's available. So here's what I want us to do. With all that truth in mind, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing you've got your identity is in Him, your past does not define you, what we're going to do is we're going to stand up. We're going to worship. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to worship the Lord together, and I believe as we declare this song, it's a blessing that we're singing. We're going to sing a blessing out over our lives out on over your lives and I want you to receive